My agent called, he said he got some interest in my script I'm glad I didn't tell him that I never finished it I got my cast of characters and outline for the plot I even got a famous classic case of writer's block Get it out of my head 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 Get it out of your head And onto the page Get it out of your head And onto the page Get it out of your head And onto the page Get it out of your head And onto the page Welcome to On the Page. This is the podcast that answers all of your questions about the craft and business of screenwriting. My name is Pilar Alessandra, and I'm the instructor and script consultant here at On the Page. Joining me today are writer producers Chuck McHugh and Jules Vincent. Hello, you guys. Hey, Pilar. Hello. How it's, are you? It's, it's, so, it's so cool <laughs> to see you guys in front of mics. Yeah. After all the time we've been working together. Yeah. You, Chuck, you said it's like been 10 years? Oh, at least 10 I years. I think it's been about 10 years. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Chuck, get closer to the mic. I will. Okay. Because you've got, you've got that, those silky tones. <laughs> you know, I'm going to make sure everybody hears you. Okay. Tones. That's right. Once Chuck McHugh covers a song, it's his forever. That's right. It definitely <laughs> is. Um, all right. So, so yeah, 10 years of, of working on different scripts and, and, you know, you guys are just such good writers. I love working with you. I always love like the read when I'm reading your scripts and I'm happy to say that the reason that you're in town and the reason that you're on the show is because your movie alive, I'm Mm -hmm. always going to say it like that, alive Alive. (laughs) is going to be screening at the Shriek Fest Horror Film Festival. 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 Thank yep. you. And I'm going to go see it tomorrow. I can't wait. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. Oh, my God. So tell everybody about that film. Tell them about how you went from script to screen with it, because it's an interesting journey. Well, you start, Jules. Okay. Uh, so you want the genesis of the idea or just how it went from the script to actually getting it made? Yeah. Yeah, how, how it went from the script to getting it made, because so, not everybody gets to do that. After we wrote it, we actually got really fortunate. We almost sold it right away um, because I was working at a job where a, uh, a regular was a uh, higher up at Lionsgate, and um, he asked for the script. And then it did really well through the read stage there and like through all the different, you know, people that have to sign off and move it up the chain and it got to the very top and um then we were told uh, we never saw like you know the actual evidence of emails or whatever but we were told that the last person in charge to give us a yes or no said boy we had we had a movie that was sort of similar to this it was a real stinker so we're not going to do that again oh no so so we so right away you know we got the no didn't take too terribly long, but we were, we know that we were really, really close to a yes. And then I guess at that point, because we had tried for however many years to sell different scripts, we were just like, you know, this is going to be a small movie. Even if we got a sale, it wouldn't be like some kind of big sale. We should just try and make it ourselves. Right. So then what did that take about another two years? Yeah. Right? Oh, at least it, yeah. It, yeah. About two years. Cause yeah. you know, then you have to go out and get the money, right? Yeah. That's the hard part. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we started, you know, we were just persistent. We're not very bright, but we're very <laughs> persistent. Yeah. So, you know, we just started barraging, you know, we, we did our due diligence and our homework and, 
you know, went on IMDb Pro and found anybody that had anything to do with horror films or low-budget films. And, you know, we emailed them and called <clears throat> and followed up. And, you know, 99% of them are no's, you know. You yeah. And, uh, and then we had some, you well, know, we had some other connections. Well, I was going to say what helped, one thing that helped when it came to actually raising money was the fact that we had a couple of different sales agents that, although they hadn't come in for any kind of money, they had said, this is good. We'd be interested in representing this if it got made. And here are our initial projections on what we think it would do on the market. So then with those numbers, you can go and show somebody that they're, they're not necessarily going to lose all their money, right? Like you can make it for, and, and then we had, you know, we had included in the project in the projection of our budget we were going to shoot in canada so there was an exchange rate uh favorable for us we were going to get tax credits in canada so there was that would add to the value of the production so you could do a much bigger production than what the actual equity allowed was that what made you shoot in canada or was it a location that that was the it was the exchange rate and the yeah and and partnering up with the production company you work with because they get the they were able to get the production credits. So, right. I mean, it really I mean, it made add, a big difference. It added 50% to our budget. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, took, I mean, it was a big deal. It added 50% between the exchange. And, you know, the thing about the exchange is, like, I suppose things might be a little bit more expensive here and there in Canada, but the labor rates are about the same. So if a grip was working for, like, 250 a day in U.S. dollars, that really, when you include the tax credit and the exchange, is only like 160 bucks a day in U.S. dollars. Plus, you know your crew is going to be really polite. Right. Yes. They, right. Are, they are exceptionally polite. <laughs> super polite. Yeah. They were great. That yeah. And exciting. super, I mean, honestly, they're all really good at what they do, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it was good. But back to, you know, then we had to raise the money, and, and we, we found a couple individuals early on. But still, it took it took a year. It took a year it took to a raise year the money. took a year for the first yeah. For, the, for our first big investor to come in. But after they came in, then we were able to secure, you know, enough equity financing to go up to Canada and shoot the film, and we got it done. So that we was... Were, well, we had enough to shoot the film. We didn't have enough to, to edit and post the film. Well, I mean... And then, we were, that, and then that happened as we right, got... But, I mean, yeah. that always happens on independent yeah. films. You always run out of money toward the end. But, yeah. you know, somehow you're able to squeeze out a few more bucks. Yeah. And so then, that was good. And then location, this particular... Uh, tell everybody um, about the, the, the log line, if you will, of Alive and, and, and its genre. Well, you want to give the log Sure. Line? A uh, male and female wake up post-surgery in an abandoned hospital with no memory of who they are or how they got there. And then there is a, um, he's maybe a doctor, he's maybe a uh, patient left behind that uh, holds the keys to their future and um, sort of, you know, maybe has their best interest at heart, maybe doesn't. And then when they finally kind of get out to the real world, you realize just why he wanted so badly to keep them there. So this, this hospital... Um, I, I had mentioned before, I have this, this place in my head and I can't wait to see it on screen tomorrow. Did you already have a hospital in mind? Like, how did you find well, this location? That's funny how we found the location. We yeah. lucked out. I mean, we had an idea in the script of, of the hospital 
And originally it was more gothic. Yeah. Sort of like, old. I see it as sort of like a almost castle-ish. Well, I don't want you to be disappointed when you don't want you to be disappointed when you That was just what the script was. Right. But things change right. in production. Right. And, but we were able to secure a hospital in Calgary, an abandoned hospital, which had actually been used for, uh, what were they shooting there? Uh, the TV show Fargo. Fargo. Oh, cool. And then uh, a Canadian show that I don't even think we have down here, Heartland. Right. And what was great about it is that it was pretty beat up. Like it was, uh, it was more of like a late fifties kind of hospital, and it was it was pretty beat the downstairs of it, which was perfect for us. And then our our designers really made it made it look even worse. So that was great. But what was great about it is the upstairs on it was in really really nice shape. So I mean, I don't want to give too much away on the on the story, but we needed that. We needed to have you know, a good hospital. So it was perfect for us. So we never had to switch. We didn't have to find two locations. We had, it was like we got two in one on it, which was really, really That's nice. awesome. Right. If anybody is listening, trying to make low budget films, one of the keys is don't move your set if you can, if you can manage not to. Don't do like, you know, load in, load out and stuff like that because that saved us so much time. We only, we only shot somewhere. We shot for 16 days 14, 14, 14 in the hospital and two days in exteriors. Oh, that's great. Yeah. yeah. That yeah, is great. It really worked out good. What it about, saved so much time and money. What about casting? Well, casting, we, we got Lauren and Jordan Bass mm-hmm. were our casting directors. And, uh, you know, they read the script, really responded to it. And, uh, you know, we had a little list of the people we wanted. And uh, they said, well, what about Angus McFadden? And we were like, oh, be great. He was high on the list. Yeah, so was, you know. And remind so. remind me and your and the listeners, Angus McFadden, what he's been in. Robert the Bruce. Okay. As he was Braveheart. In right. Braveheart, he was Robert the Bruce. Oh, okay. Uh, he was in Turn. He's uh, in, in Saw three two, and yeah, two, two and three. Oh, no, so, or is so, it three and four? So I don't know. He's it's okay two about the genre too. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. he was a, like he said on set. He was a victim before. Uh huh. And he prefers to be the uh, bad guy. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, now I can get back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, and you know, we were looking for a young. So there's a, the male and female patients, and we were looking for young, up and coming actors for those roles. And uh, uh, they suggested this uh, actor Tom Cockrell to us, and he was in Table Nineteen. Mm-hmm. He was uh, Buck in Table yeah. Nineteen. He was, you know, the good guy. And uh, we we're like, wow. Yeah. Well, we, so we love Tom. So coincidentally, neither one of us are. I mean, especially with the modern uh, rom com kind of being as dead as it is, neither one of us wanted to admit that we had both seen Table Nineteen within like a week of each other. <laughs> and well, I was on an airplane. Right, you were on an airplane. I actually watched it at home, and I was like, "Geez, this is really good." Um, and uh, yeah, so then when they when the bass casting. Threw, threw him in front of us. We we're like, wait a minute, the guy from Table 19? The guy and they I were secretly like, have a crush on after yeah, seeing that yeah. movie? We were like, you two guys watch Table 19? We're like, no, we just know about it. <laughs> yeah. So we had to cop to seeing it, seeing it. And, uh, and it, he is great. He's great. And yeah, he responded to it and, you know, was willing to do it. So that was great for us. And, and our uh, female lead is Camille Stop. She's a Canadian actress who uh, is terrific. And, uh, you know, we we really we we were holding out because we we wanted a Canadian actress partially because of of the production credits and stuff like that, and uh, we really weren't 
you know, you know how ca- casting is very tricky. Mm-hmm. And uh, but when she came on the scene, it was like, okay, she's perfect. Yeah. So, you know, we're we, we're pretty happy with the cast. They, I mean, because I mean, you read it. They go through a lot, oh, so we yeah. we couldn't have like, you know, like a shrinking violet mm-hmm. um, female lead. We needed somebody that could really go like note for note with Angus and and then also. Because she really does drive a lot of the decisions that the two that her and Tom make, so she needed to be you know sort of aggressive at times and stuff like that. So it, it's not—I mean, not that there aren't plenty of those actresses out there, but they were you know it's hard to find the right fit. And had right. the director come along with the production company? Yes, uh, Rob had just done a film called Fake Blood with Seven Seven Five. They were our partners in Canada. And we we got word of them from somebody in Toronto. I can't remember who it was, but somebody in Toronto was like, "Oh, you guys really should go to um, to Alberta and contact Seven Seven Five Media because they're like the they're the big game in town in in, in Calgary." And uh, we sent it to them, and they read it really quickly, and they were like, "Yeah, you know what? This is we could make this movie. We could do it." You know, within the next six months or so, we could probably make it because we have a window. We just we know the exact location we could do it all at. And if you guys don't have a director yet, we just finished this movie with Rob Grant, and he's great. So then we saw his stuff, and we agreed. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And, he was terrific. And, and he gave a good pitch too, like when because you know we talked to him, and he he sort of saw a lot of the like style and theme the same way we did. So and before before we went on, Mike, you said, well, we thought it was a horror. It kind of turned into a thriller, right? It, also right. in the production of it, right? Was that was that because of limiting the budget, or or was it just because you uh, the way that it was recognized by different festivals that thriller people responded more than even horror people? That's a good question. That is a good question. Uh, it could it could have a little something to do with the budget and some of the changes we had to make because uh, we lost a couple of the sort of bigger set pieces or right. stunts we had which forced us to to do some rewrites and make it a little more i don't know almost like a psychological mm-hmm. kind of thriller kind of thing so that that may have driven that a little bit too um and it doesn't have a lot of the like classic horror like slasher elements or anything like that but although if you're afraid of um hospitals or doctors it, yeah yeah you know this Right. This yeah. is the movie either for you or to stay away from. I exactly. say it's right. the movie for you. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, but we're we're glad it's we're glad it's hitting on different, seem you know different notes for people. Mm-hmm. You know, we're we're extremely happy about that. You guys are up for an award at Treak Fest, right? We don't know what, but yes, we've heard that we're up for an award at Treak Fest. Okay, and then also you've you've gotten some awards here and there, and and some recognition by other places. We won uh, best screenplay at Film Quest, where okay. we which was where which was our world premiere, and then um, we are also nominated for um, best thriller. thriller, best thriller at Nightmares. That's awesome. Which is in uh, in Columbus, Ohio. You've kind of been like the language you were speaking before we got on was very much the language of of the horror movie festival. Like you said, and Blood Something gave it a blank review, yeah. and like oh yeah, yeah. W- what was that? <clears throat> Bloody disgusting and uh, Dread Central have both done <laughs> exclusives. Uh, Bloody disgusting ran the first trailer, uh, which is called the Doctor Is In trailer, and then um, 
Dread Central ran the second trailer, which we very creatively named it the second trailer. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, it doesn't have a tra- it doesn't have a name. So for horror movie writers out there, they should. It sounds like there's a whole horror movie community. Oh, absolutely. That they should know about. Yeah, right. We've no, just absolutely. we did not know that much about it because I think both of us are more bigger fans of like older horror mm-hmm. as opposed to. I mean, like I've seen Get Out and. Um, and uh, it follows and stuff like that. But I, I, what I grew up on is the classic John Carpenter and Alfred Hitchcock and right. the old David Cronenberg stuff. And I think that's what we're more familiar with. So it was sort of an introduction for us, too, to the world of genre festivals and then all the different genre websites. But there's definitely a whole subculture. Yeah. And it's big. I mean, like if you go on Film Freeway and just look at you know, filter into the horror festivals. I mean, you'll see. Oh yeah. There's tons of, them. yeah. But a lot of them have, a lot of them have screenwriting competitions, stuff like that. It, actually, everyone we've been at has got, has had screenwriting competitions, yeah. which are looking specifically for horror stuff. Now yeah. I've heard your other stuff. It, this was your first go at horror because yeah, this the was other first stuff, like you had some like, you know, some broad comedy and, and oh, things. we've done it all. Yeah, yeah, you really have. You really have. Let's, you know, but is this a world you feel like you might stay in for a while? Well, well, we, well we'd like to get another movie made. Mm-hmm. It, the thing about the horror films is you can take a modest budget like we tried to do mm-hmm. and... And hopefully it came out good. I, I don't know. We've seen it so many times. I have no, you know, I have no idea. <laughs> Whenever I watch it, I can only see stuff that, oh, well, why did we do that? But, um, you know, the, it's, the, it's, the, it's the kind of genre, it really is true, that you, with a more modest budget, if you have a good story and you execute it well, you stand a chance of, you know, selling it and, and, and being semi-successful with it. Who you know, and, and, you know, believe yes. it or not, we are in this business to try and make a living. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. I believe it. I do. I thought, it, I thought it really was just to visit me and we could just like oh, no. joke yeah. around. This, is and, a, this was on the bucket list to get invited to the podcast. Uh, oh, yeah. This is a checkbook on yeah. the bucket list. This is number four. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So, so, so uh, let's talk about like that 10 years getting here okay because actually you one thing i love about the two of you is you were always so business-minded so even though like you'd spend a lot of time on your scripts and stuff you always were like we're going for this strategy now we're going for this strategy now it didn't always work out but you always got very close with your projects because you never stood still with them you never went okay well i'm just gonna submit it to this competition and just see what happens like no. you you always went for it so i was just wondering if you could talk a little bit about some some strategies some things that worked along the way some things that you've learned anything within these 10 years i'm very curious Boy. well well i don't know well first of all i have to say mm-hmm. jules and i both had background as actors that's where we met. We'd met in an acting class. Yeah. And I don't know. We just said, well, let's try and write something. So we started to write stuff. And, you know, be honest, a lot of it was pretty bad. Like a lot of the early stuff was pretty mm-hmm. bad. And uh, I'll tell you, one of the mistakes we did make early on was we thought, even though we knew, I think this was before we met you, mm-hmm. uh, we thought, well, you know, this script's pretty good, and, you know, the story's good. 
knowing that it could probably be better, right, is trying to rush it out the door mm -hmm. and get it to somebody because because you because party thinks okay if a producer options it they're going to have changes because everybody has notes sure everybody has notes which is fine if they're well thought out and they can make the story better but everybody has notes so you so you think well they'll if they respond to the story we'll get their notes and then we can fix it but the problem is if you're unknown you haven't done anything as soon as they find something that they think is wrong or boom you're out mm -hmm. so that was a mistake we made early on with sending out stuff that wasn't ready to go out. Yeah. So if you, if they read something and it's not that good, then they just always remember like, Oh, I read something from them. It's not very good. Cause also like if you're a produced writer, right. Mm -hmm. they can go, well, I know what he can do. So they're right. willing right. to give more of a pass right. to, you know, slightly here and there <clears throat> for those notes that you talked about. But unfortunately if you're a new writer, you have to be better than yep. the produced writers right. in order to, to, to rise to the top. Yeah, that is, yeah. That is tough and not fair. Yeah, because I think we definitely early on fell victim to good ideas, not the best execution. So then, so we could get somebody to ask for the script. Like on a query, you have a good idea, right? Maybe your log line sounds like, oh, that could be a really cool idea. But then when they get, you know, 100 pages of like, oh, this isn't really what I thought it was going to be. Mm -hmm. They remember that. And then you, they don't ask for a script again. <laughs> right. right. And that's well, that a problem. Was, it's funny you said that about the uh, query letters, because that was always, that's always a tough hurdle, right? Mm -hmm. The queries. And we, at least in our experience, people can take it however they want. Uh, the brevity of words in your yeah. query letter is important. Yeah. The shorter and the more just right to the point you can get is better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we found especially we, when we really realized that was when we were having drinks with a guy that was in development and this is how he was I mean I know this is not a visual medium that we're on right now but this is how he was reading query letters on his phone while having drinks with us just looking at the ray lines that your phone would open up right on oh like my God. your email be like nope 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 and, and we're kind of horrified and we're like what is that and he goes oh I get like probably 300 queries a day a day? Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. He, said, he says just nonstop queries. Wow. And he just, he just honestly was deleting stuff based on the ray line, or if he opened it, first maybe sentence or two, and then that was it. Did you ask what, uh, what gets his, uh, his attention, or did you no, figure that out? That would have been a good question. It would have been, been, been a good question. No, you know what? Instead, I think he just we, started to cry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We were sort of horrified. Curled up into a fetal position. Um, <laughs> well, I think one of the things that he, uh, I don't remember who threw that at us, but was about the, if the ray line has a reference to a company or like a person that they might have a relationship with, they're more likely to like open it. Because now they're like, oh, well, well, who is you know who else is it that I know, or have worked with that has kind of given some sort of verification of this email? Oh, by the way, I just have to stop for a second because that noise you hear is uh, is a it's a gardener out there oh, yeah. oh, with a leaf blower who yeah. has chosen to. So, it's okay. I, I, what you guys have to say is important and fun, and so I'm just going to ask the listeners to forgive because I can't ask the gardeners to stop. So he's doing a good job out there. Though. Yeah, it, you know. Just, how long does it usually go? I have no idea. I didn't even know. Really, <laughs> I didn't, didn't even know we had a gardener <laughs> at the studio. Okay. Uh, All right. I'm sorry. Oh so, no, that's so. Back to this 
horrifying experience with a guy who only reads ray lines. But what you guys did figure out, right, sort of a secret to queries, because queries, you know, hardly anybody reads them at all anymore, right? right? Yeah. But this was a thing that, this was a strategy that you were using to get attention? Yeah, and sort and we, of, yeah. We, early on, a good actor friend of ours, a casting director, had said, if you really want to get the big agents, you know, the big agencies to pay attention, you've got to, you've got to, oh yeah, you've got to do a package, right? So, in other words, one of our scripts that you had read, a romantic comedy, as far away from the horror as you could get, um, it had a good read, again, with a company, and, uh, and they had said, well, if you can get people attached, we'll help you make it. Right. So we went out to all the big agencies, but we would target, uh, you know, we'd target an actor and an actress who were both with an agent. Mm -hmm. So it was a two for one, right? So if, if they put the, you know, the arduous work of actually reading a script into it, yeah. <laughs> or their assistant, or the person in the mailroom read so it, it, then... Oh, go ahead. Right. So then they think, oh, well, I can pair up uh, actor A and actress B, or actress A and actor right. B together, and boom, put them in a package. And then with keeping with the idea of it, no one reads their emails and just deletes based on the Ray line, we put the name of the production company, which was a pretty big name at the time, and then the name of the two actors, or actor and actress, that that agent represented, all in the Ray line. So they would go, well, what is this? Uh, and then they would open it, or at least this is our thought process, they would open it, and it would say, hi, we've you know got this script, so-and-so loves it, and said that they'd wanna make it, we want your two actors, and you know, A, B, you know, whatever it is from Dawson's Creek or from, uh, you know, the Marvel franchise or whatever as, as the leads, would you give this to them and get back to us? And like 90% of the time they would. Uh, and then we got some no's, but we got a lot of yeses. Like, I, I don't know, are we allowed to take, talk about people's names? Like, we, can we mention names? I, Chuck, who is also a lawyer, just <laughs> gave you the, the, the kibosh okay. on that. Like, okay. uh, no. So, so we'll, we'll we, just say executive. We yeah. have, at one point, we had a, uh, a guy who's now a superhero. Okay. As a yes, right? Look, or maybe. Could, well, that, was, Chuck, don't be nervous. That is everybody. That's yeah, everybody. That's literally everybody. everybody. Major everybody list but I mean, I guess the, there's the, like 10 Spider-Man. I, I mean, I guess the point to it is if, if you... But you have, there has to be a grain of truth in all this, mm -hmm. too. It was right? true, no, wasn't I, it? But wasn't, no, yeah. not, no, but what I'm saying is... Some of it was a lie, but most well, of it was true. I mean, sometimes you exaggerate a little bit, but we had had this, we had had this read. We had, you know, they said, listen, if you can get people attached, you know, we'll fund it, right? Yeah. And, uh, but although the heat, that guy did not attach himself. Oh, you're right. It was the agent that wanted... Yes. So the agent, which was at a major agency, one of the big four, he was super responsive. Like he was literally responding to all of his own emails on his phone, like as they came in, like because you get the like from you know so and so's iPhone or whatever, mm -hmm. right on the bottom of the message. And he would be super responsive because he knew that these were at the time. Now he he wasn't a, a Marvel superhero at the time. He so at the time they were just thinking like this guy's going to be a big movie star. So if they see something that can help facilitate this guy's going to be a big movie star mm -hmm. they'll get on it and like and then the girl was 
Well, if they think there's money there. Right, I think right. the film's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. Right. And the girl was f- from um, a big teeny bopper show at the time, mm-hmm. right? She was one of the leads on this, right. but, whatever, but the, WB or CW or whatever network. And, and, and he was super proactive. The agent was. And then it was another thing to get the yeses from the actors. And then eventually it fell apart because then the production company that had given us this green light to try and go find actors sort of fell into disrepair on it, their own. And then it was in, and it was in all the, you know, it was in all the trades. So mm-hmm. you couldn't keep saying like so-and-so said that they would make our movie. Cause everybody would be like, if they had just read that morning's paper, they'd be like, yeah, well this company's going out of business. Oh, that's so they're funny. not going to make your movie. So much of this is out of your control. Doesn't, right. doesn't yeah. that just, you're like, Oh no. And then you had to like have a new tactic or start on a new project or whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but I mean, you have to keep, you just have to keep, I mean, we still have, you know, of the, like the scripts you've read, several of those projects are still percolating. I mean, we still, you know, we met a, well, for example, we have our dart script mm-hmm. that we have. Uh, oh, the dart script is a lot of fun. Tell right. everybody what, what that is. Well, we is. have a, we, it's basically the Rocky of darts. It's, <laughs> it's the first world champion, <laughs> Daniel Leighton Reese. And he had this very colorful life and, uh, uh, he came from nowhere and ended up winning and you know so it's basically the rocky of darts so but you know we through this project we've met a lot of people that you know especially in foreign like we met an australian producer who was interested in representing uh the script for sales but he also produces a lot of stuff and he's worked with tom cockrell and He's like, wow, okay, I really like that idea. Let's, you know, maybe we can do something with that, you know, because a lot of it, Australia has a lot of tax credits, New Zealand has a lot of tax credits. So, and, you know, so we keep, we're always constantly thinking about the other stuff we have in the bullpen, even though when we're doing other stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you always have to constantly, I mean, it's hard. You, you're focused on the one thing you're doing, but you always have to keep thinking, well, because everybody will ask you, well, what else are you working on? Mm-hmm. What else do you have? Right. And then also in keeping with the idea of whenever you're writing, you have to figure out who your audience might be for what you're writing. On the dart stuff, this producer in Australia, he immediately connected just how big of an audience that that professional darts world has. Right. Like he understood that it's sort of Oktoberfest meets the World Cup at these at these sort of events. Right. And it's got these massive fan base. No, it's not necessarily a massive fan base in the States. But all through Western Europe and the UK and Australia and Canada, it's pretty big too. So he knew what the he knew like the idea that if you're going to make this movie, who's your audience? Well, the audience is already baked in. So that's the yeah. And if that's you can do it on the, the right business budget, aspect, yeah, if you right. can do it on the right budget, you can make your money back. On right. It, you know, a little extra. And it could be we'll one of those like effort. colorful, independent-minded movies that like everybody's like oh god you got to see this like it just has that it has so much um personality to this particular movie well we look at it like sort of a full monty type of yeah exactly i mean every year there's always like a uk centric movie that is the the uh the gardener inside the the house yes is now (laughs) the call is coming from inside the house (laughs) he is right outside the door don't answer the phone do you think somebody's paid him actually just like hey you know what would be really fun just go and annoy the hell out of you know there's like a giant podcast there's a 
pile of wood in the back. Is he going to have the chainsaw out in a yeah, minute? That'll, to yeah, that'll cut wood. Right. It'll be like the old days with all the construction that yeah. used to be here and stuff like that. Yeah. You guys came here once, like when there was construction going oh, yeah, on. Oh yeah, yeah, they were redoing most of these buildings. Yeah, it was yeah. three yeah. years yeah. of that. I was I lived yeah. in my own sitcom here. Uh. Yes. Uh, that was know, you were new to the building too, right? I was. Yeah. I was. Although three years being new with right, construction, right. you're kind of like, okay, I think I might be over it. Oh. Yeah. Um, you know. You know. Uh, so the way that do you you you've probably heard the story of how I met Chuck to begin with. How you met Chuck? Yeah. No. How'd you guys meet? You didn't. I thought oh. we just found you through needing no, to. No no no. No, no, oh, no, no, no. I went and I was teaching for the uh, San Diego Bar Association. I was I was just doing a, a, a lecture on storytelling. Okay. Oh. And I got very very nervous about it because I was going to teach a bunch of lawyers and my mom was a lawyer, my stepdad's a lawyer, my stepbrother, and you know, and they were all giving me like these points of like, you know, what the courtroom was like and and you know why that would make a good story and why these people are very good storytellers and they were like you know giving me all these terms and stuff. So I go out there, you know, to San Diego Bar Association, very, very nervous. I'm not usually nervous when I teach, right? Really nervous, looking at notes, don't usually do that and all this stuff. And like I look up and all these lawyers are like, they're all drinking beer for one thing. It was the most partying bunch of writers I have ever seen, or I should say they were all lawyers. And then I'm doing my stuff and they're like, Hey, I got a movie. How do you how do you get a movie made? <laughs> right, they all want to skip right to the point. Right, they were just. I was like, ah, uh, but don't you want to talk about your natural storytelling abilities within the courtroom? They're like, no. So, and then after that, they were like, you know what we should do after after drinking through your entire lecture? We should go out drinking. So then we went out to a bar, and right. then I hung out with with Chuck because, of course, he was in charge of going to the bar. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, he knows all the bars. And that's how, and then Chuck called me and he happened to be a very, very good writer. Yeah. And that's, well, uh, that's how it all began. I didn't know that. I thought we just, cause we're, you know, you always have to find somebody to read your stuff, mm-hmm. right? I didn't know that. I thought <laughs> I always say tools for That's death. amazing. I remember. Oh, you said, did you tell, I you met, might've told me. Yeah. I only pay I attention met, to about half of what I said. <laughs> yeah. I said, hey, I want to, because I needed the, I need the hours, right? Right, gotta, right, because I was like a, you, a teaching you were, you, thing. You counted you for an hour of uh, oh. MCLE credit, my <laughs> continuing education credit. Who knew? Who knew? <laughs> but it was good. It, it, but you can tell, like, a lot of lawyers are, lawyers always want, a lot of lawyers, like, they're always trying to figure something else out to do. Yes. Yes. I've, <laughs> I have noticed that. that. I get a lot I'll of lawyers in class. You guys are great storytellers and you have great stories to tell right, right. because of, of the work that you do. And yet most legal movies are stinkers. Why is that? I think, um, you know what though? I love a good legal movie when it Me does too. work. Well, but there are, yeah. I mean, how many are there? Yeah, that's true. There aren't that most of them are just awful. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know. We have to do another podcast about that that's one. Right, just legal movies. That's I think right. Michael Clayton is probably the best of them and that's not really in a courtroom at all it, it really isn't and also um my favorite one of my favorite tv shows is damages which is also never actually in a courtroom i have not been a regular watcher but what i've seen is good oh my god oh you my know god. you know what's good is the rainmaker with that's got matt damon right am i thinking of the right one yeah Where's yeah the young lawyer yeah, down yeah. south is it? And, yeah that's actually pretty pretty accurate on the civil litigation side a lot of the things that happen is that the rain is that called the rainmaker yeah i think so well as an attorney you know it's interesting you've always stayed away from legal movies yourself right you don't have anything with with any we have one really good idea right now though oh yeah yeah Yeah. about a about a uh nun (laughs) who enters the legal profession 
Interesting. It's yeah. another biopic. It's, it's a bio. A it's true. It's but we true. don't want to give too much away. We don't give them because right. anybody can take it. Right. We don't want them to take it. Okay. All right. So it's a good idea, but hopefully we'll talk about it when it's a movie. So are you guys, you guys are going to the Shriek Fest, uh, like gala tonight? Big yes. party tonight. Right. Yeah. And how many movies are there at the, that That's year? a good question. I don't know. There's three. So we open the festival tomorrow, and then there's two. You're, yours is the first movie? Yeah, we're the opening. Get out. That's, Can I so say that we're, we're the opener at three different festivals? No way. Yeah. Well, so far. That so really, far. That really, so, so Chuck expects more, apparently. That that says something. It really does, because they're not going to start with, with a weak movie. Well, I hope not. That's great. Yeah, hopefully not. So can we take, when I'm there tomorrow, can we take pictures on the red carpet? Sure. I think there's a red carpet, yeah. yeah no, there'll be no, there should Why be. would I go if there's no red carpet? That's a good question. Come yeah. on. Yeah. All right. I we may can't. as well go to the Arclight and see a movie. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait. Now, okay, after you're through the festival circuit, um, what are the intentions with this as far as distribution goes and things like that? Well, we have a, a company that's representing the film. Okay. And they're trying to get it out to uh, about 20 different very big, um, you know, the biggest worldwide distributor uh, is is the plan right now to get it out to this. I don't know what you'd call it. Like they're just the biggest companies that could handle one kind of one big sale from us, right? They take it and they just they own it wherever. I think in the old days they used to just basically buy the print and tell you to walk away, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and if that doesn't work, then we'd have to parcel it off to territories. So we do you know North America, and then there's different places that horror plays well in, in uh, Central and, and Latin America or South America. And then there's Western Europe, and it's good. Horror does well in Germany. Um, it might do well in parts of Asia because we've been told that uh, as long as it doesn't have to do with, what, like ghosts or something or possession. Oh, right. Yeah, apparently that's, that's a turnoff for parts of Asia, but mm-hmm. otherwise it could play well there. And then, yeah, so but it would be easier if we got, like, the one big sale that, you know, everybody wants. But, you know, that's always, that's, that's I, I don't want to say it's a long shot, but, I mean, that's. It's a, a big swing. It's a big swing. It's a big yeah. swing. Well, if anybody's going to take a big swing at it, you guys should. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, having been uh, writers who have also been, you know, wearing producer hats for, for a while now with this particular project, if let's say you were going to jump into writing your next project, okay, based on what you know as producers, what do you think your approach? Do you think it would be different as you're writing? Do you think you'd have shortcuts in the writing process? Like, what what do you think on a craft level you would do different differently? Well, I, on a craft level, I think I hate to keep going back to the budget, you know, okay. but you know, budgets are important, right? So. And we've read several scripts recently where, you know, you'll be reading it and you'll just go, oh, man, it would be so expensive to, you know, have this happen. So I, I do think on our next project that we write, we probably will have that in mind, you know, mm-hmm. and not that that should dictate the creative process or whatever, but. No, it should. I, I, I see. You can't, not everything can be Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings or, or, you know, Captain America or whatever, right? You have to give yourself guardrails and you have to stay, even if you don't know that much about the cost of production, you have to have some kind of general idea in your head that, you know, 
the alien spaceship can't always just come down and blow up the Empire State Building or whatever, right? Like, well, especially if it's out of genre. Like right. Adding expensive right. elements when you're writing within a genre that you know has, right. ha- has certain limitations to it yeah. in, in terms of budget. Yeah. You know, why would you go there? You're just being lazy. Right. Exactly. No, I think that's the, that's, we were talking about that not too long ago. Well, and, and another thing we've heard a lot lately, well, it's just CGI. You CGI that. That's like, super expensive. That like, is. Like, it's great. Yeah. Great. No one has ever had to see a CGI bill if they say that. Right? Yeah. Because you just cringe because we had very little CGI done on ours and it was very expensive. In the yeah. Past. It was a big, it was a big expense that we hadn't anticipated. A yeah. lot of people who make their own movies and after they've, they've written say that also they ended up having to cut some of their own scenes and that the next time they would write with a little more economy or yeah. they would really take into mind, you know, whether certain scenes really needed to be there or if they were repeating things. Would you also sort of feel the same way? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. When you start to look at the dailies or even when you look at the first rough cut, it's amazing how many times you make the characters say the same thing, even in the same scene, like more than once you're like, well, do you know, do you really need them to say, so you just start, you edit your, you edit your script by editing the film, right? Like, cause there was, st- I mean, there were some things that we fought to keep in because we felt that it had to be there in order to get the audience to like connect to the characters and stuff like that. But then there was other stuff where you're just like, you don't need that. The audience has seen it. The characters have said it. You don't have to say it again. You don't have to emphasize it again. That's when it starts to get into the realm of like the bad, you know, horror movie where they're like, the characters are constantly explaining to the audience what is going on. Right. And that's the last thing that you want. So if you're, I mean, that's cause we're working on something right now, sort of it's in the early stages and going through it is you just like, just get out of the scene. Just keep moving. Just right. keep moving. Well, you guys, this has been excellent, excellent advice and just fun talking to you. And well, I'm so excited here. for you. You really deserve it. You've been putting such hard work in and, uh, don't tell anybody, but you're some of my favorite clients. So oh, there you go. Oh, well, I think thanks. you just told you. Unless nobody listens, nah, right? Nobody, yeah, okay. nobody listens. Oh, right. I listen. <laughs> can, I, can, I, can I say hello to my wife and family? <laughs> hello, wife and family. Hello, wife. Family. Actually, you really should because you have a cute little four-year-old I do. daughter. What's I do. her name? Gia. Gia. Yeah. And when was her birthday? It was just in August, yeah. Happy and now birthday, everything is Everything's in force. Everything's in force. And the name of your wife? Michelle. Michelle. And Chuck, do you want to say hello to anybody who might still be talking to you? Well, I'd like to say hello to Victoria, my wife. There you go. Harry, my son, who's 12, maybe <laughs> 13 here. I didn't oh. realize he was that young. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah, 13. So, oh, 13. He's a big 13. Yeah, though. he's coming. Uh, well, they're coming tomorrow night, but he, I, I'm taking them to uh, Nightmares with us. Oh, um, gosh. Does he like horror movies? Well, he likes his dad's movie. Well, he was on the <laughs> set, so okay. he doesn't, he's not, you know, none so of he's it. all right? Yeah, so he saw all the See, now, makeup. And my daughter was on the set as well, and she still talks about it, but not in a favorable way. Yeah, like, Harry, my... Your wife is still mad at you about she was that three. one. Right? She keeps... Well, the, we, had a ner- we had a creepy nursery. Yeah. And she was still in her nursery, right? She still had a crib. She still had, like, the, you know, the, like, the little three-year-old handprints that they make and then hang on the wall and stuff. And we had all that in our creepy nursery set. (laughs) 
So she's like, but she, so she's still, but that was make believe, and that that baby's okay. But like, yeah, yeah, that, that was just make believe. That baby's fine. Don't oh worry about that baby. God. Yeah. Oh my lord. Yeah. Hey, where should we put my kid? How about the creepy nursery? We yeah. already have one. Yeah. Oh my god. Boarded up walls, just, right? Can I throw Jesus. one more plug in though? Before uh-huh. we, go? we are also uh, playing at the Austin Film Festival. So that's <gasps> oh yeah, we, you, should we list them all? We got oh my gosh, you're going to be screening Austin at the Austin Film Festival twice. Yeah. yeah. What? And in the when we're then we're going to go to the the conference and stuff too. Are you on a panel? They haven't invited us to be on one, probably because they've, Hello. you know, well, they've, got they've talked answers. to us and they said no. <laughs> that was nice. It was nice. It was, it was they, us or Tony Gilroy. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> He's there. <laughs> well, it was nice because they said we want they their focus is the writers. Uh-huh. They wanted to make sure the writers were there, right? More than the producers or even the director, because yeah. they're writer centric. That is so great. So that was that's probably. I know, the there's one thing that we hate is attention being cast on us. So, <laughs> um, yes. but yeah. It's, oh, so just can I can I give the rundown of so there's Shriek, yes, Shriek sure. Fest, and then in the UK on Sunday on October seventh is Grim Fest. Okay. Uh, and then Nightmares in Columbus, Ohio on the nineteenth or twentieth. Nineteenth, I think it's the nineteenth. And then uh, Austin Film Festival. I don't remember those nights, but we're there twice. Okay. And 27th then 27th and 28th. 27th and 28th. There you go. And then um, New York City Horror Fest. Okay. Uh, December 1st. December 1, yeah. And then, oh, sorry, I'm missing Horror House here in L.A., November 2nd. Okay. And then two others that haven't announced yet, so I guess they don't want me to say it here. But we're, we'll be in... Two other festivals coming up soon in, in major cities as well. Oh, man, I think I need to bump up your podcast. Oh, and oh, in, in Atlanta too. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Oh, and Atlanta. We just got. We just found out that we we're in the Atlanta Horror Fest. Oh that's my right. God. So, oh my God. Atlanta Horror Film Festival on. Um, so it's coming to a city near you. Coming so to a city near it. you. Yep. Well, I think, room. boy, I think that I'm gonna have to like get you as. Maybe the podcast that comes out tomorrow. Maybe Woo-hoo. we'll see. We'll see if I can if I can okay. get it together because um, I think clearly everybody has to know so they can go to these. This is going to take a lot of festivals. editing though in order to get the uh, the make sure that you highlight the uh, snowblower. Yeah, I'm in not. The we don't edit on the show as you can probably <laughs> tell. Um, so everybody, also you can check out where uh, the different festivals right on alivethemovie.com. Do you do? You that, that in there? I think we need to get our uh, web guy to update it. But yeah, some yes, of it's on there. Get yeah. him to do that. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so alivethemovie.com. Also, do you guys tweet or something so that people can know? Yep. Uh, on Facebook, we're Alive the Movie. And on Twitter, we're Alive Movie 2018. 2018 1. Because 2018 was taken somehow or something. Um, so we're 20181. Okay. And then on Instagram. Yeah, there's an Instagram. I'm Alive the Movie. Alive the Movie, yeah. Yeah, obviously we're really good at social media since we can't even remember them all. Don't worry about it. The fact that you remembered all those dates is great, and I wish you guys lots of luck. So again, Chuck McHugh and Jules Vincent, you guys rock. I want to remind everybody to go to onthepage.tv. Oh, boy. You guys have been to some classes, right? Oh, yeah. 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 Um, Thank you. So actually I'm going to be, let's see. Okay, so October 17th, there is a story analysis class here. It is three hours. It will teach you how to write script coverage if you're somebody who wants to be in development or be a producer. And And that's, I've been to that class. Yeah. That's a good class just just for background to know 
who your real audience is. Exactly. Your real audience is that initial script And what reader. they're looking for when exactly. they're reading. Exactly. So reading. it is yeah. great for writers because you look at how, how scripts are analyzed and you can write your script with sort of a, a, an analytical point of yeah. view. So yes, it's extremely valuable for writers as well. So story analysis for readers and writers, October 17th here at the studio from 7 to 10 p.m. Western Massachusetts, or just Massachusetts in general, I'm going to go visit my daughter at school, which means I'm going to actually teach in Western Massachusetts. I am going to be at the, what is it called? Uh, The Berkshire Film Collective or something like that, okay? And anyway, it's going to be on my website under calendar. If not, as soon as this comes out, it will be there in a couple of days. So you can just check it out. But I will be there October 20th teaching a class and then New York people I will be teaching a TV class October 24th from 7pm to 10pm that is currently on my website you can actually sign up and pay for it there so I would love to see you there yay thanks again you guys you were wonderful good luck great thank you thanks to all of you for listening and have a good writing week